A reading according to the letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your things, your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Hear the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words that flow from my mouth make sense because they are inspired by you, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this week we're drawing to a close on our series and we're taking a final look at Paul's letter to the Colossians through the kaleidoscope of grace. But before we leave Colossians, let's take one more look at this amazing concept of grace through a passage that yet again doesn't mention grace at all. At first glance, as you read through this passage, you're probably wondering, what does this passage have to do with grace? But if you stay with me, I do hope that you might agree that perhaps the most important thing that we can say about grace is grace is authentic. Before we dig too deep, I want you to ponder just for a moment, is the impact and power of grace affected by the character or prior or subsequent actions of the person who is showing the grace? Or putting it another way, is grace just grace? And does it matter who's delivering it and what they get up to before, during, or after being gracious? Hmm. The more I've reflected on this concept, the harder it's been to come to a definitive answer. After all, one of the traits of grace probably the most inherent trait of grace, is that it shows no preference 
prejudice or bias. It's undeserved and unreliant on the person receiving the grace and what they've done or who they are or have been. But that's not the question, is it? Does the person giving the grace have to be squeaky clean? Well, I certainly hope not because none of us would be worthy to show or share grace. And so the position I've come to after wrestling with this passage is that grace is grace is grace. But when grace does not seem to be authentic, grace can be diminished overlooked and even rejected. Paul gives us a fairly heavy list of things not to do in today's passage. If you've forgotten them, how could you forget? Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desires and greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive language from your mouth. Now you can't kind of split these two lists into two categories. Things, what, things not to do when it comes to sex and things not to do when it comes to speech. Interestingly, Paul thinks that casual sex is just as bad as casual talk. I'm inclined to leave all the sex stuff to all the bishops who are currently meeting in Lambeth at the moment. They can work it out. Not just because I'm a wuss, maybe I am, but also because I actually think that how we talk is something that every single one of us should be confronted and convicted about. Another way of looking at these lists of don't do's is as things that do harm to the way that we see or treat ourselves and the things that do harm to the way that we see or treat others. The harmful ways that we see and treat ourselves and the harmful ways that we see and treat others do impact both the visibility and the effectiveness of grace. Authenticity is increasingly becoming a valued part of human behaviour, especially among younger generations. If in one moment we're showing or demonstrating grace, but in another moment we're seen in acts of fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, anger, wrath, malice, slander and or abusive language, then it makes our grace compromised and its authenticity is questioned before you jump to thinking well it's only in those extreme circumstances that I need to be worried or before you start developing a but I'd never do that kind of mindset let me demonstrate the subtle seduction of inauthenticity a long time ago in a diocese far, far away, I was one of the organisers and leaders of a big youth camp. Yep, we used to have big youth camps back in the day. A new young priest had just arrived to start a role in the diocese 
and was invited, well, the bishop told us he was the guest speaker. As he was speaking, he shared this really heartfelt and profound personal story. And while he was midway through this emotional story, I started hearing an unsettled rumbling from some of the young listeners. Ever the dutiful leader, I approached a group who were talking amongst themselves to confront their rudeness. I knelt down and I whispered, is anything wrong? And one of them whispered back, we've heard this story before. It didn't happen to him. I've read it in an email. What seemed to be a harmless enough appropriation of another person's story to make a point in a youth talk was an immediate loss of both credibility and authenticity. This priest could have made the most profound statement following his story or demonstrated a radical act of grace, but these young people would have had none of it. They might have seen to be rudely murmuring in the background, but they had paid little credence because of his lack of authenticity. More recently, you might have seen this touching video. Sorry to bother you. Is it okay if you can just hold these? Have a lovely day. Oh, it's touching, isn't it? The only problem is that Marie was in the middle of some personal quiet time. And she actually asked if she was being filmed and was told no. And was highly embarrassed and, in her words, dehumanised by the over 15 million views on TikTok. Many suggesting that she was a sad old lady who needed cheering up by a young man who just so happens to be making a lot of money from his TikTok account. You see, grace is grace is grace. But who we are and how we are perceived as grace bearers matters. It matters so much that our lack of attention, our self-focus and the harmful and hurtful ways that we see and treat others and also ourselves can actually compromise grace itself. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get in the way of grace doing what grace is meant to do. Grace is amazing. And if there's anything that I was consciously or unconsciously doing that impacted the amazing kaleidoscope of grace being made visible to the world, then I'd want to make sure I'm doing my best to enable grace to shine. But how do we do that? Paul gives a simple answer to the Colossians. Wear the right clothes. 
this imagery of stripping off your old self and putting on the new self might actually seem a little back to front in 2022. Because we see the idea of self not as something to be worn, but actually what lies beneath the layers that we've put on. Deep within the true self is when we peel off the layers of societal constraints and the expectation of others and the things that we mask. We see in 2022 the true self is almost the naked self. And so as Paul suggests us <laughs> to put something else on, our mind might immediately race to, well, hang on, are we just covering something up that should be revealed? But we need to remember that Paul is living in a different world at a different time and very much an honour-shame culture. And in that culture, it was highly important that you wore the right thing to the right place. And if you didn't wear the right thing at the right time in the right place, then you brought shame. I'm not sure if you remember that parable that Jesus told. It's one of the most confusing parables, where, where the wedding guest turns up and he doesn't have the right clothes on. He doesn't have a, re- a wedding gown on. And so he's unceremoniously banished. It'd be kind of like me turning up to lead the 7.30 service in what I'm wearing now. I'll probably be unceremoniously banished as well. Paul has a very different understanding of the self. When the old self is stripped away, the things that we used to do before we were in a relationship with Jesus, something new and authentic must take its place. And that new and authentic thing is grace. Paul is encouraging us to be clothed in grace. Part of being clothed in grace is, of course, making sure we aren't being caught out in the hypocrisy and staying away from acts of fornication, impurity, passion, evil desires and greed by not showing anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive language. Being conscious of the ways that we see and treat ourselves and the way that we see and treat others. But I think it's more than that. Part of the church's compromising of the visibility of grace in our time is the lack of authenticity in perpetuating a lie that Christians have got it all together. That because we've found Jesus, that everything is all right in our world and there's nothing that's ever going to get us down. You know what? The world outside the church has been able to see through that lie for a very long time. So we may as well stop using it. Yesterday at our first Winter Beach Church, during a time of reflection, Marianne invited all of us who were there to pick a shell which she'd artistically laid out on this beautiful uh, piece of cloth. I was a bit reluctant to take a shell in the first place because it was so nicely arranged. But I saw a shell that really sort of almost called to me and I picked it up 
Where's this one? You might not be able to see it. So here's a better look. There you go. I shared with the person next to me that the reason that this shell was calling out for me to pick it was because it was reminding me of a deep theological truth that had become very important to me. The shell is broken, but it's still beautiful. It's not a whole shell, which reminds me that I'm not meant to have it all together and do everything myself, that I'm not complete without the, what others might bring and their beauty mixing with the beauty that God sees in me. It's got some jagged edges. It's got a history. But God sees beauty in my brokenness, and so can others. The authenticity of grace, the grace that we share with others, that grace is broken, but it's beautiful. God's grace is beautifully flawless, but God chooses to show and share that flawless grace through our brokenness. And that blows my mind every time I think of it. We don't have to close and we shouldn't clothe ourselves in perfect little Christian costumes. We clothe ourselves instead in vulnerability, humility, and the stories of how God has met us in our brokenness and shown us grace and now chooses to show that grace through our obviously broken but beautiful selves. God broke God's very self in Jesus on the cross to release that flawless grace as a free gift for all of humanity. So we need to realize that authentic grace will not be categorized. In Paul's day, the categories that people used were Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. And today we have... (coughs) Excuse me. And today we have our own version of categorization. Except sadly, our list is way longer than Paul's. Scythians were the group in that culture who were most regarded as the farthest away from what was known as civilised culture. They were these wild, nomadic marauders on horseback. The worst of the worst. Yet Paul includes them in God's story of flawless authenticity and grace. Christ is all. And in all. Grace is all of Christ 
and for all. And the best way that I know of that we can authentically demonstrate this is to clothe ourselves in grace. To be broken, but beautiful. Loving God, we thank you for the amazing kaleidoscope of grace that you reveal to us by meeting us just as we are in our brokenness with jagged edges and revealing the beauty that you call us to show and share vulnerably. Help us to have the strength to show the truth of your grace in our lives. Even if that might seem to make us look like we are less of or unworthy because you know in reality we actually are. But what matters most is the grace that becomes available through Jesus Christ our Lord is shown and shared through our ordinary flawed and broken lives and as it is we see grace that is precious grace that is beautiful that reveals the goodness of God Amen In a short moment of quiet I just really encourage you to to think of the parts of your life that God is revealing God's grace through brokenness.